Welcome everybody, I'm Evan Rauer with War Room the Hockey Podcast. Welcome back uh, for um, episode 78 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. This week we are uh, discussing uh, the Buffalo Sabres, uh, Taylor Hall, um, and all the little things that go along with it. Uh, Next week, um, please, please look for this. Because of Zoom, we are recording uh, kind of in advance um, and all this stuff. So um, as of this recording, as of recording the intro for this episode, for this week's episode, um, we are also recording um, on the day that I'm recording this um, next week's episode. And in next week's episode will be our discussion around the Tim Peel uh, incident um, and officiating in the NHL. Uh, if you're not sure of the Tim Peel incident, look that up to be ready for next week uh, so that you are at least somewhat in the know for our discussion. Uh, if you don't, that's okay. We will discuss it for you so you will know what's going on. So uh, look for that next week um, as we are recording that today. But um, episode 78 of War Room the Hockey Podcast, uh, Buffalo Sabres, Taylor Hall, Contracts, and all the little things in between that re- that go along with that. So settle in, like, and follow us on the necessary social media platforms, subscribe, rate, and review, and enjoy episode 78 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. I did the intro separately. Okay. okay. I did that. So, um, but we did um, kind of discussed it uh, beforehand. Uh, junior hockey returning. Uh, we'll discuss that more next week. Okay. Um, Buffalo Fires are coach. Yep. Uh, there are there's a push from some of the Canadian teams. Uh, again, there's a few headlines here. Uh, push from some of the Canadian teams to want to try and keep a Canadian division once things go back to normal. Yep. We'll see if that actually occurs or not. Um, other than that, uh, Eric Carlson uh, has come out disgruntled in San Jose. No. Uh, oh. Being quoted as saying, "I didn't sign on for a rebuild." Um, my response to that is yes you did <laughs> my response to that is then be smarter with your contract because uh-huh. because when you sign with the team when they're at the peak they only have one way to go at that point and while right. they didn't win a stanley cup san jose only had one way to way to go and that was to fall right so you signed with them after they made stanley cup finals appearances and all this stuff and not only that but you signed with them for eight years yeah and that type of contract is hard to move anyway, let alone in the flat cap COVID era of things. So you sign with him at the peak, a big eight year, nine million or whatever it was. They only had one way, way to go, which was to fall, which, they, which they've done. And yeah. now we, because of your contract and COVID, you are now unable to be moved. So be smarter with your contract or be smarter where you sign because you're, you're kind of hamstrung yourself at that point. Yeah. I, that's a good point. I like that. Let's do that. Um, so yeah, just tell me where you want to start and what you want me to do and we'll be, we'll be ready. But um, awesome. NCAA hockey is also, is also underway. Yep. Um, NCHC champions, North Dakota. Yeah. 
to beat the Big Again. Ten. Minnesota beat Wisconsin uh, to win the Big Ten. So those are your first two um, automatic bids yep. uh, to the national tournament. Um, you've got uh, WCHA um, this weekend. Their finals are this weekend. Okay. They'll play semifinals, I believe, starting today or tomorrow. I'd have to double check as of this recording anyway. And finish out this weekend to find their champion. Um, it's going to be – I can pull it up here too. Um, it's going to be between um, – I know Northern Michigan, uh, the school I wanted to go to, remember? Yeah, I remember that. They are playing Minnesota State. Minnesota State has been tremendous. Northern has not been in it in a long time. No. No, they haven't. Um, I'm pulling it, pulling it up here, pulling up the bracket. Um, open this up here. Yeah, Minnesota, North Dakota have already finished. They're the champs there, first two bids. Minnesota State, Northern Michigan, and Bemidji and Lake Superior. Uh, are your semifinals matchups to win the WCA to move on to the finals of the WCHA. Um, UMass Lowell beat Boston College yesterday. Um, and UMass uh, beat Providence. So they'll play uh, for the winner of the hockey of hockey East. Um, right. And ECAC only had four teams all season. Oh yeah. Seven or eight of their teams just opted not to play. So um Quinnipiac, and then and then on top of that, I don't know if you heard this, and then we'll move on. Um, Clarkson was one of the four teams, uh, but they ended up go partying the team to a party, which was apparently <laughs> in um, violation of COVID protocols. Oh my! And so they got pulled. So now it's so now Quinnipiac automatically gets a bye into the into the championship. And you're going to get Colgate against St. Lawrence uh, to find out the to eventually find out the winner of, the East, of ECAC. Um, so interesting things there. Um, and then in Atlantic hockey, uh, we have a new military school right on top. Uh, no longer Air Force. Army is is the, the school to be. Is that right? In wow. Atlantic hockey. So your semifinals there. American International uh, will play Niagara. And Army um, plays Canisius for the semifinals matchups uh, for Atlantic right. Hockey. Uh, Atlantic Hockey, though, still is that division where if you don't win the if you don't win the conference, you don't make the tournament. Yeah, so right. Because of your rankings throughout the year, um, you're not like other division other conferences where even if you don't win, you can still get selected. This is if you don't win the Atlantic Hockey, you you don't compete in the tournament so um but it's looking like army is the team to beat there along with american international can i just say that i i've just in the last few minutes become a huge clarkson fan clarkson <laughs> yes um ncaa real quick ncaa is expanding uh, don't know if you heard this again two new schools um one of which being uh saint thomas university in minnesota Wow. They're moving to Division I. Um, and another school, I'm drawing a blank on it after research. But there's also expansion potential because there's rumors that they want to eventually get to where they have a March Madness style tournament uh, rather than a Frozen Four style. They want 64 teams rather than 
eventually, obviously that'll take many, many years to get to, but um, it, there are expansion rumors about um, Division One school at Rutgers, um, at uh, University of California, um, at Pitt, uh, wow. USC, UCLA, University of Illinois, uh, Stanford, Iowa, and um, there's also rumors, and this, this is the rumor that has more traction than any of the others right now, and that is that uh, Navy will move to Division I, play in the Atlantic uh, Conference with Air, Army and Air Force um, to be a, a new school there. Um, on top of um, your independent schools in Arizona State and Long Island. Um, there's also rumors, I don't know if you heard this, that uh, Alabama Huntsville might be folding. Oh, I didn't hear that. Finan financial troubles, yeah. as well as uh, the teams in Alaska. Um, some things have come come up due to COVID and travel and, and money and the cost and, of travel and everything like that from a school that both Alaska schools might shutter their division one programs um just because of the cost of travel and things that's to the point where they to the point where they completely opted out of the ncaa season this year yeah that's so, so understandable and that's that's why it's been tough on the north american hockey league to be in a, in places like south texas or or uh, alaska or anything and and alabama huntsville is the same way now in the case of arizona state logistically the only way they're going to really be able to thrive long term is if USC and UCLA and, and places like that start to go to Division One and give them places to play that are not uh, a seven-hour plane ride from Phoenix. So, I, yeah, it all makes sense, and I, you know, I'm all for it. There's enough guys out there. This is a this is a product of the growth of the game in places like California and in the Midwest, you know, Pittsburgh and St. Louis and and all around. It's uh, you know, you're seeing more players developed in minor hockey in the places that are now a couple of generations deep yeah. in having National Hockey League presence. So that's good. That's expected. And f finally, uh, starting next year. Seven, uh, I think seven of the WCHA teams are moving and starting a new conference. Um, they're moving back and revitalizing the CCHA, the Central oh. Hockey Association, which will leave um, one or two schools out of the mix on where they fit conference-wise. Looking um, for also part of the expansion at that point of you know adding more conferences and and doing these things. So things in the work. Um, obviously, kind of like the women's game, you, you need investors, you need backers in order to, to do some of these things. Uh, you're not always going to get um, schools that can just naturally progress up to Division One. Right. I'm just going to take putting a program in, which takes a lot of money. Um, but the price tag to put a Division One team together is absolutely enormous it is in the millions not only do you have to have a building that can support it but the infrastructure um and the the now you've got 25 or 30 kids that may be on on scholarships to the tune of two hundred thousand dollars or a quarter of a million dollars each mm -hmm. and and so that expense plus travel plus training facilities plus the building expense um just the the infrastructure alone is huge 
and then to put that program into the NC2A, you know, they've got, they've got a price tag of their own because there's expense on the admin side. So it's, it's a huge, it's a huge burden for the alumni and the, the endowments at a university. They, you go, I know they talked about it at uh, Colorado State years and years, 20 years ago. I was involved in a little bit of that and they thought, well, let's, let's go division one. And then they started adding up the price of it. And when they got to about 15 or $20 million, they said, well, maybe we ought to wait. Yeah. So it was, it's a huge price tag, no matter who you are, but you know, bigger schools can absorb that better. You got to applaud the people that have been around a long time, like Colorado college and DU and, and uh, Duluth and, and some of the smaller schools that have been, uh, supporting those programs for, you know, 50, 60 years, a lot of them. Um, Colorado College is now done with World Arena. They're building a new arena, so World Arena no more. So that's another piece of news. But uh, NCAA, uh, quick discussion there as we uh, talk about um, the BCHL season starting in April. Um, we'll, dis we'll discuss that more next week in detail. Yeah. They're, they are playing um, bubble hub type play and um, as well as there's some information around Langley but we'll, we'll discuss that next week um, big news this week we'll, we'll finally get into it uh, Kruger fired in Buffalo um, <laughs> can I just can I just say and and the, I'm sorry to interrupt the the Buffalo Sabres are the Springfield tire fire of the National Hockey League. True, true. But it also creates a situation where I won't laugh. Um, we all compete to win and everything like that, but it just makes me scratch my head even more um, with the Taylor Hall signing. Now, I, I get, again, per what we said a few minutes ago about Eric Carlson, I get that you can only do so much and there's um, – different financial things during the flat cap time here um, and all this stuff. And you, you go where you go with the team that's going to remotely give you what you're asking for. But I just, I find it funny that it's either what he, it's either how he viewed it or it's how he said it, but either way he goes to Buffalo because he wants to win. But yet he signs in Buffalo. He plays hard and I have a lot of respect for him. I'll, I just want to Say one thing about Eric Carlson. He signed eight years times eleven point five million. When you sign that contract, you sign on for whatever they give you. You don't get to come in after you put a gun to their temple. You don't get to come in then and say, "Oh, by the way, you're not doing things to my approval." Tough luck, pal. You signed your life away for eight times eleven point five. In the case of Taylor Hall, I kind of get it because he wanted to get a year or two at a pretty good premium. He's, I think he's an $8 million hit. Uh, so that's understandable. And there are some pieces there that ought to be better. Jeff Skinner is a no-show. Eichel is now banged up, but he's been, he was good to start the season and he wore down. It got too easy to, to game plan him. Uh, Hall should have been a good, uh, a good fit. Ristaline and they've got some pretty good and Dylan on defense. They should be better. Yeah. They're not. 
and they haven't been. They haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're now 10 years in, and they're going to have to tear it apart. Again. Probably going to have to take some of those pieces and pedal them for any kind of draft picks you can get. It's, and they also, this is a club that has an entire front office and coaching staff made out of first-year guys. Mm-hmm. From Kevin Adams right down to Ralph Kruger, they are the. This is their first kick at the National Hockey League. Can yeah. they have almost no scouting staff in Buffalo? Who needs a scouting staff more than the Buffalo Sabers? What are you doing with no scouts? They have almost nothing to build with there. They don't have. I mean, you, you start struggling in Calgary. What do you do? You bring in Daryl Sutter and you flip the script. Buffalo has nothing. Their tank is empty. They're four laps down and they're out of gas. I don't know what you do. Does this hurt Taylor Hall's value, though? Because say, say he goes to free agency and doesn't resign Buffalo. Say, he, say he, really wants, he really wants to win and he doesn't see that happening during his career, the reflect of his career in Buffalo, which is not a far stretch in the imagination. But he's got four goals. Yeah. I get that they're struggling, but he's got four goals and I think only like 15 points. So does this hurt his value though? If come free agency, when he steps out and he wants a six year contract at 9 million and a team's going, you know, I I get it, Taylor Buffalo struggled, but you didn't do much. So I'm going to shell out 9 million for, for five goals of production. Come on. Like, so does it, does it, hurt his value moving forward which is the the big thing whereas and we we obviously you don't want to live too much in the the realm of what ifs and all these different supposed possibilities but what could have taylor hall done had he signed a one-year contract in a throw a dart at the board colorado yeah and you throw him in the top six with kadri and mckinnon and, and these guys what do you you know all this stuff does he have 19, 20 goals at this point? You know, because he's capable of that. But you sign in, in Buffalo one year, and yeah, they got Jack Eichel, and they got Reinhardt, and they got a different number of guys. But at the end of the day, your big guys are Eichel and Hall. And when Eichel goes down hurt, Hall is now carrying the load, and yet he's got four goals. I mean, the production yeah. value has got to hurt his, his overall value moving forward. It's, okay, so when you, when you take Taylor Hall's production on a horrible team and you add that to flat cap due to COVID and you add that to wasted years in Edmonton followed by a pretty decent season in New Jersey and a, and a lost season in Phoenix – now you're starting to, I mean, and, and if, if the guy is looking, he comes into free agency this next time around, he's looking for big money and long-term, there is no chance. All of the decent teams in the league have nothing to spend. The Buffalo Sabres have no cap space. They have pennies left to spend on the cap. So they can't retain his salary. Toronto is rumored to be interested in him. They, ha- they don't have half of eight million dollars to spend and buffalo can't retain four million and get anything back so that contract hamstrings everyone 
we talked years and years ago when Paul Stasny went to St. Louis, what an incredibly good move that was for his career mm -hmm. because he was going to be the third or fourth center in Colorado at the time behind O'Reilly and Duchesne. He goes to St. Louis and he immediately goes into the number two spot. What does that do for his career? Everybody lines up to want Paul Stasny. And seven years later, he's still making huge money and laughing his head off. And he bounces from Vegas to Winnipeg. The difference being he made a good career move. Taylor Hall could have taken six million times a year to go someplace really good that could afford him to go to a contender and play with real good players and put up big numbers and then run his value up. This was, this was really, really bad advice. And every time I hear Darren Ferris's name, I just think he's the agent. I just think it's somebody ought to get rid of this guy. I don't like it. I don't it's like it. It's benefited to make smart decisions because Stasny not only is still producing, yeah, even in his thirties, like we, like we, you and I both can admit, and Paul Stasny, very biasedly, is my favorite current player. But we all thought he'd hit his thirties and and start to slow down. He hasn't. Um, but he's also he's also in his thirties, and guess what? He's still in your top six. He's in the yeah. top six in Vegas. He's in the top six in Winnipeg, even as at 33 or 34 years old. He's playing so, with good players. So you put him with you put him with these good players and he fits. If if all of a sudden you trade Stasny or Stasny makes the horrible career decision to now go, wait a minute, I've spent my career in the top six. I want I'm gonna go here to to continue it, but he goes to Arizona. And now he's the only guy in Arizona with any value to his name, basically. Now, all due respect to a Derek Broussard or anybody else. Sure. All of a sudden, Paul Stasny looks his age. Exactly right. Good career decisions. Bang on. That's he, why, and Stasny has had good career opportunities his entire career. He spends, he wins a national championship at the University of Denver. Drafted by Colorado, eight years under Joe with Joe Sackick and Hey Duke and a couple with Forsberg and and all these things. Spends a number of years with with Duchesne and and all that stuff. And Duchesne issues aside, and makes takes a gamble and a bet on himself in his career and goes to St. Louis at seven million. Does wonders. Goes to Winnipeg helps them in the playoffs, goes to Vegas, helps them succeed. Young team goes back to Winnipeg and is helping them be successful. He's made, he's had good opportunities presented to him and he's made good choices. Here's how often do we talk about depth and a guy like Jack Eichel, spectacular player, maybe one of the most, uh, one of the top 10 talents in the league up front. But when you go into Buffalo, because they have no depth, you go into Buffalo, you, you have to game plan one line. Eichel, Hall, and whoever's with them. After that, let them try to beat you. You got one line to, to shut down. You put him in, by Paul Stasny's own recognition, he's a secondary player. He's not the star guy. 
It's what happened in Toronto years ago with, with Kessel, Bozak, and Van Riemsdyk being the top line. They were too easy to game plan. They were too easy to put your checkers and your shutdown pair against them. So now your numbers dwindle. Your value dwindles. Now I can't get rid of you because you make too much money and produce too little. Now nobody wants you. It's just, it's bad business for the club. It's bad business for the player because Taylor Hall is, his career is half over now. And if he doesn't make a good decision right now to get out of Buffalo and sign with a contender where he can play maybe second line someplace back, God forbid, what if he, what if he did sign in Colorado? Would you rather have five or six million in Colorado this year, or would you rather have your eight million and be in Buffalo and be absolutely untradeable? So this is what I always call the no move clause. He's got 15 points. He's an $8 million cap hit on a strap team. That contract's going nowhere. Now what do you do? You got to make better long-term decisions. And I like Taylor Hall as a player, but he is going to, if he's going to continue to make good money and last another 10 years, he's going to have, this is a, this is a crossroads for him. At this point, he's going to have to take a pay cut to go somewhere else then. Correct. And so, but I hear no honesty when I hear Taylor Hall talk and I hear no honesty when, when I read quotes from him, all I hear is CYA. Well, cover your ass because now he he realizes, okay, I sent him in Buffalo to win because this is how they looked on paper. It's not working out. I've now hamstrung myself, but I can't obviously drag my agent and and agency and myself through the mud. Right. So I'm not going to come out publicly and say, well, my agent said this and oh, bad decision there. So now I'm just going to come out and go, oh, you know, I like it here. And oh, we had extension talks and oh, you know, this and that. To me, it's it, to me, it's a CYA thing because you know that the second you admit any of that, you're owning to the fact that you just hooped your career if you're not careful. Yeah. So yeah, he this is a this is a crossroads for him. He's got to do something right, and he's got a he has a a no move clause in his contract which he needs to waive so he can get out of there. <clears throat> but it's, I believe it's modified so that he can at least approve where he's going. And what he needs to do now, if he's not doing it already, he ought to be doing it by the end of the day. He needs to get Ferris to tell them that he's, you know, ready to go and he's got a he's got a no-move clause. So he can at least approve where he's headed, get to a contender, go deep in the playoffs, produce on the second line someplace, I don't know where, but pick one, produce on the second line. And run his value up because right now, COVID and, and flat cap is running everyone's value down, no matter who you are and no matter what your numbers look like. If your name's not McDavid, your value is going nowhere right now. So that's going to hurt him, and his history is going to hurt him because he's he's one of those guys, and you always you know you always look down your nose at Duchesne, but he's done the same thing wherever he's gone his turn turned to vinegar every time. And Taylor Hall's got the same history. Every place he goes, save for the one good year where he won the, won the Hart Trophy in New Jersey. Um, it's, been, it's been a messy career for a really, really talented guy. On the other hand, look at the difference in Ottawa. 
and I point to them a lot because I'm going to have to start hating them again. They're, they're not a good team in the standings right now, and they're not going to make the playoffs, but they are a colossal nuisance to play against. Mm-hmm. They are just, they are so up-tempo and so, um, just so fast because they're well-coached and they're in good position. They, my gosh, they're tough to play, and they still have five guys that are absolute blue-chip prospects that aren't even in the National Hockey League yet. So this is a team that four years ago was within a bounce, within a crossbar of going to the conference final. Four years ago, they were a cup contender. Fast forward four years, they have already torn it down and rebuilt it, and before you know it, like by next year, they're going to be as good as anybody in the top half of the league. And in two years, they're a genuine contender. It's, that is, that's the difference between how not to rebuild and how to rebuild. And by the way, they have $21 million in cap space. So they can, they're not going to face any problems signing anyone in the near future. So I'm just contrasting the difference between them and Buffalo. Well, Dorian though is going to have to be smart with with contract negotiations, right? Um, because they've got this cap space. Because in the rebuild process, all their guys are either ELCs or one years or whatever. Come contract negotiations for a Stutzla and for these different guys. He's going to have to stagger it because if all of a sudden you start giving Stutzla a, a contract extension at big money, like I'm sure Stutzla is going to get, as well as a Brady Kachuk all at the same time, now all of a sudden you're you're getting two, you're getting a, a Toronto situation where two or three of your guys in the entire roster are making over a third of your your payroll. Yeah, he can't. So you gotta you gotta stagger it like like Sackick's been doing in Colorado, where all right, I'm gonna sign this big name guy with the two or three little name guys this year, and then next year it's this big name guy, and then the year after that it's these two, and then the year after that it's this one, and then you you start to stagger it, and then you you stagger it also with the with the contract length, so that when the contracts are up, it remains staggered for the new extensions after that. Well, he's got, he's got Josh Norris and uh, or he's got uh, Kachuk and Batherson who are going to have to be paid at the end of this year. Neither of them are yet going to be making monstrous dough, but at the same time, he's going to be getting rid of the contract on Anisimov and Ryan Zingle, which is going to be nine, eight, nine million dollars when those two guys are out of contract. So, his highest paid player is Dadunov right now. And with a flat cap, you're not going to have to break the bank to sign the first deal for Kachuk and Batherson. He's got Shabbat locked up. He could probably trade Zaitsev at four and a half million dollars. That's a tradable contract. He's done with Eric Goodbranson for four million at the end of the year. He's done with Mike Riley at the end of the year. He's he's in pretty good shape. He's got He's got goaltending. He's got uh, cap space. He's got guys coming off of term. And I'm telling you, you look down the list at Jake Bernard Docker and some of the players that are coming out of North Dakota and, and uh, 
university and junior hockey that's, that are in this team's pipeline, holy smoke, this is the how-to. This and, and Colorado are the how-to of rebuilding. Yep. And both of them have done it. Like, like Brian Burke always jokes about, why don't you follow the Pittsburgh model? He goes, okay, give me Sidney Crosby. Give me the best player in the world for the last 15 years, and I'll follow that model. But you can't – not everybody can do that. These teams have followed the rebuild model and not done it with the Crosby-McDavid kind of player. Now, granted, years ago, they, they took um, – took McKinnon in the first pick as opposed to a handful of other guys, including um, the, the defenseman in Columbus. I'm drawing, drawing dead. Jones. Yeah. So granted they, they've drafted extremely well, uh, but managing the cap in that, been, it's been genius, you know, the, and, and if you can tear a team completely apart and rebuild it in five years or so, you're, you're really at the top of your game. Yep. So, but no, I should be interesting. Um, I think Buffalo's in trouble long-term. Uh, oh my gosh. I think yeah. uh, they're going to flounder for years to come um, until they can figure, figure some of this out. Um, but so, so this is Ottawa the, and Montreal are going to give your Leafs fits here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm still, listen, I know they've been floundering, but I'm, I'm still very, very high on Montreal. And this brings me to my next question for you. We watch, we watch a lot more of different uh, divisions, but when you see the same teams night after night and you play three game series against the same team and you, you know, you're going to see the same guys eight, nine, 10 times a year. How do you, I, I know it's, I know it's not something they can do forever, but at least for now, what's your take on it? Is it like McDavid said, I'm ready to see somebody else. He, he, the, the players tire of it a little bit as a, as a fan, as a hockey purist. I love seeing the hate come back. When I watch Calgary and Edmonton, after two or three games, the two of them playing each other, put Cassian and Kachuk aside. The last couple of times they played each other, the, the guy who leads the team in ice time is the trainer. Yeah. It's, it's been awesome. I love it. But, you know, I like it. I like the intensity. My my issue with it is you want to play meaningful hockey, but my issue is with it, and this may be overly simplistic and to the point where I will openly admit, preface what I'm about to say by admitting that I totally don't see um, the value of the playoffs being undercut in any way. Playoffs are the playoffs. They have their intensity. It's not going anywhere. Totally agree. My point, though, is I do worry about it a little bit when every game you play is against the same people, and every every and it's two or three game sets. Some are playing the same team four games in a row, and you're getting all this stuff from a fan perspective. It's great. It's that rivalry. It's that intensity. Um, but there's also something to be said for for that being for that being a, a playoff thing that you, you grind away for 82 games to get there. And now you get, now you get to now 30 games ago, you know, Br Matthew Kachuk turtled after doing this. 
Now I'm seeing them in the first round of the playoffs. Here we go, right? It's that intensity level. And so from a player perspective, I, I can understand it. It's, I'm ready to see somebody else. I'm ready to cross the border. I'm ready to do these things because, because you're not only going to see them through 56 games of the season, whether every team can play 56 or not is another point, but you see the same eight teams through 56 games of the season. And then you see the same teams again through 16 games in the playoffs. And so it, it can get tiresome and it's, you got to do what you got to do to to play the season, but it's why I'm hoping that things go back to normal division wise and schedule wise after this year, because you, it's great for rivalries and all this stuff, but you cannot keep doing it this way. Well, there's too much, too much time zone crossing to keep this up. Yeah. You can't, you can't play, you can't have Vancouver playing Ottawa nine times a year. It's, I mean, the, the, smart, the smart move was to make it so that Ottawa flies to Vancouver once, they play three, four games. Vancouver flies to Ottawa once, they play three or four games. So they, they minimize the damage there. But as fun as it is for everybody to see, you know, you get a, in the U.S., they're getting to see Crosby four or five times. And, and the, the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh rivalry and the Colorado rivalry with, you know, now growing with Vegas and St. Louis and stuff, it's awesome. And the same thing is happening in the, in the Canadian division. It's it's wonderful for the fans, probably kind of fun for the players, but they do get tired of the same guys. I see, though, no matter what division you're in, no matter, pick a team, pick a division, with the exception maybe of Buffalo, even the Detroit Red Wings have had stretches of two or three games where they just scare the snot out of everybody. And they're, they're hapless, but they're, like you see, Ottawa playing really well. Then you see Vancouver play really well. You see Montreal at the top of the league and then hit the skids. Toronto at the top of the league and then lose five out of six. Edmonton struggling to get out of the basement of the North Division, and now they're, they're challenging for the top spot. You, because you play these teams so constantly, the turnaround is so fast that if any time you win three out of four, you change your position. You lose three out of four, you change your position. Yeah. It's, it's really magnified, and it's made things, mathematically, it's made things fantastic. Because for the fan, there's only a handful of teams that are currently out of the playoffs. Everybody else could, you know, Calgary Flames could win that division. And two weeks ago, they were dead. So that part of it, I think, has really worked out well. No, I, I see the positives. I guess I just I don't want to lose that that special f- feeling that is the playoffs. You know, no. like it's the same way of it's the same way. I don't I don't want to lose the special feeling of classic outdoor hockey. <laughs> you're, you're losing the special nature of it when there's five or six outdoor games every single year because no, now right. it's just, it's not special. Well, I, I don't see the intensity going away. Playoff hockey is playoff hockey, but I don't want to even risk it. I don't want to lose what's special of the playoffs because, because you've already played this, this one team 
12 times out of a 80 game schedule. And now you've got a seven game series with them. I, I don't, you know what I mean? You've already had that intensity. You've already done this or that. I want to, I want the special nature of two or three times Calgary and Edmonton go to go together and Kachuk cross checks somebody turtles on Cassian and then they don't see each other. And Oh wait, yes, they will. Because now, now they got each other in the playoffs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't wait. And I, I, per, I can only speak for myself personally, but I personally don't get the excitement this season around some of the games because it's like, okay, well, Colorado, man, oh man, what win or lose. Okay. Well, they, we just saw them play LA two nights ago and now you get them again. And oh wait, you just saw him play Minnesota last night and now you get him three more times in the next five days. Like, all right, I okay. You know, it, it it to me, to me personally, it loses kind of that buzz and that special feeling around it where holy crap, Colorado played Edmonton two weeks ago. And in the in those two weeks, Edmonton lost this guy to injury. Yeah. Colorado lost this guy to injury. And now we're two weeks later and we are we're 80 games out of 82 and this is for playoff positioning. Holy crap. This final matchup of the year. Whereas if you're playing four times in a row or you're doing this or that, to me, it kind of loses that buzz a little bit, but first first of all, don't sell yourself or war room short. We don't just speak for ourselves personally. We speak for everyone here. Secondly, you're talking about, and, and rightfully so you're talking about the days where you used to circle the calendar. Yeah. Right. We, we see these guys again. That was a, that was a ass whipping. We see these guys again on April 6th and oh my gosh, you can't get a ticket. Everybody's, you know, pull the curtains, turn the television on, go to the game, whatever. Those are the circle, the calendar games that when you play 10 times a year, you don't necessarily have that. And I get it. You're, and you're, you're absolutely right. But God and Gary Bettman willing We'll see this this year. It was well done to put this schedule together for 56 games, get the guys on the ice, get the fans back engaged, at least on television. And now some people are starting to return to the rink 25% in a lot of cities. And when this season is done, there will be fans trickling back into the building as the spring progresses into summer and into the playoffs. And then hopefully next fall, we're going back to generally what we call normal. So that's, I, I think this is the way it had to be done for the time being because oh, of quarantining and everything. It is but, what it is. And I'm, I'm thankful that we, we we're getting a season fans or no fans and we're, and we're, they're getting on the ice and us fans have something. I'm just making and talk about, I yeah. just, where I come from is I like those circle the calendar moments. And I like, I like that stuff of, you know, the LA Kings in 2012, right? If they didn't have that circle the calendar moment for the final game of the year to beat this team, to get to the playoffs, they don't win the Stanley cup. You know what I mean? And I do indeed. A special feeling is as me as a fan of going, Holy crap. We just, you know, 2004, for example, and I, I don't want to trivialize a very tragic moment, but holy crap, three weeks ago, Colorado played Vancouver, Steve yeah. Moore's paralyzed, screw Todd Bertuzzi, and here we are again, Colorado, Vancouver, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, right? right? It's that type of that, that type of buzz where, you know, it's that 
building towards something rather than, okay, we played him last night, Brady or Matthew Kachuk cross-checked Mangiapane or not Mangiapane, cross-checked Dreisaitl, Pickett guy or Nugent Hopkins and then Turtles on Cassian. But then wait a minute, they're playing again tomorrow. Yeah. And, okay. Well now there's no buzz around what's well, anticipation because now we, we see it the next night and yeah. okay. Right. now. So, but well, I think this is, but, this I, is, but I, it's positive and I applaud Batman and yeah. the league for at least putting it together, putting it t- together very well, the same way they did last year in the playoffs to at least put us back on the ice and give us a product. I'm, I'm just a, I'm just looking at the bright side of what we're what we're dealt this year. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, I'm I'm a glass half full guy. I I love having my glass at least half full, sometimes <laughs> more. Yes. But just making sure that we have the you know we have the right perspective on what we're what the cards we've been dealt, and I, I still applaud them for getting done what they've done. Um, Coming up, what do you? You've got uh, we've got a bit of junior hockey news to come up next week, right? And yes. uh, yep. we're gonna have a news, uh, more, uh, more because uh, I do want to. You know, hockey's hockey, so I do want to start, especially because I know a little bit about it. I do want along with junior hockey to discuss further uh, the happenings that are going to happen this weekend yep. in the NCAA um, and all that stuff, um, especially as things start to progress. Teams are either not selected for the national tournament or eliminated from the national tournament, which means NCAA free agents now signing with their NHL clubs, all these different things. So a lot of things that can kind of go together. So we'll discuss that along with the return of the BCHL. I haven't looked in a few days to see the progress on uh, the WHL. I know that, um, I know that they are going to start because Red Deer is living in the arena, right? Their players are right. living in the suites, so they're going to do something Hub City style. Um, I haven't heard yet on when that's going to start, um, but we'll do research on that for next week. Get kind of all our ducks in a row and do kind of a a new, fresh uh, junior discussion, which we haven't been able to do in in a little while. So yeah, I, that's that's been uh, that's going to be a that's going to be a lot of fun uh, because of the, you know, the focus that we have on junior hockey, both in uh, junior a, uh, the North or the uh, USHL, the BCHL across the Canadian junior leagues and, and the, um, and major junior. It's just, it's going to be great fun to see them back and good for the kids. Good for everybody because my gosh, um, how do you, like we said months ago or a year ago now, how do you draft? You haven't seen a guy, maybe the kids played 14 games. Maybe he's played not at all. How do you, how do you scout somebody? What do you, what do you, how do you draft and how do you be seen? Yep. It's a um, good discussion next week, I think for, for all that. Uh, so a lot to look forward to um, this weekend, looking forward to again, more, um, uh, conference tournament action in CAA, uh, more news as we progress uh, for junior, as well as um, more NHL games on the schedule as we uh, push toward the end of the 56-game schedule into the playoffs um, and the trade deadline um, and what's all going to happen there with the flat cap. Uh, you know, 56 games, do all teams get to play 56? number of different things like that. So a lot yeah. to look forward to. Um, yeah. There's and and we've got a we've we've got a goaltending uh, special guest on the horizon. I understand. Yep. And uh, Ryan Walter has said he wants to come back in April, so we've got that to look forward to as well. So, a lot of good stuff. Um, right. But yeah, 
uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, when we pause recording, uh, I'll let you see your grandson, and um, <laughs> okay. and, then, uh, and and then I will get ready for my day job. But anyway, um, thank you for joining on Zoom. Hey. Appreciate it. Uh, if my you haven't pleasure. already, head to uh, Facebook and Instagram, Warm the Hockey Podcast at Warm the Hockey Podcast. Like and follow us there. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Listen, uh, subscribe, rate and review. That's the big one. Uh, ratings and reviews help us uh, climb the charts and continue to grow. Uh, we appreciate the constant support um, and everything. Uh, construction and things being done on our new studio still. Uh, once that finishes, we'll do the final touches on things to be in the new studio, get you back in person. Beautiful. Um, and start the process of um, giving the people our beautiful faces on video for our video podcast. So um, <laughs> but a lot in the works, a lot to look forward to, uh, but thanks for joining this week. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yep. Again, don't go anywhere. Uh, don't close things out. We'll let you see your grandson, but okay. um, I'm Evan Rowe with the hockey podcast. We'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Awesome. Cheers, Cheers everybody.